When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on farmer's market etiquette, what to do when a nice gesture makes someone uncomfortable, celebrating stepchildren, and separate baby showers with different guest lists. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about inviting coworkers to your wedding or not. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on vaccination etiquette. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Dan, it's it's spring is starting to spring and you've been telling me so many Wild Kingdom tales of life on the mountain. Will you tell our listeners about life up there right now? It sounds magical. It is so awesome. And it is the, the coming of spring that's not like my own internal needing of the coming of spring, but the natural <laughs> world telling me that it might actually be happening. <laughs> so the other day I was um, walking up the camp road, the one that we were sledding down a couple of weeks ago, and I I noticed these tracks in the fresh snow. And I said to myself, is that a lynx? It just looked like a cat. It looked like a cat track, but a bigger cat track. And there aren't a lot of wild cats in the woods in Vermont. We don't have mountain lions. And I'd seen a lynx years ago. So lynx jumped in my mind. And then I convinced myself it was. And I was probably just a <laughs> fisher cat. And da, 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 da. I was talking to a local hunter who I think of as our resident naturalist. And he was telling me that he'd seen the same tracks. And it, I was right. It's bobcat tracks. And it's a pair of them. Oh. So there's a, a slightly larger bobcat and a smaller one, probably a male and a female. This is a mating season. They would be active. They would be out and about together. And I don't know if you can hear the excitement in my voice. Finding a track is one thing, but this wasn't just a track, like a single paw print. You like, could follow the tracks. <laughs> it was like, evidence of wild animals at play, like jumping and frisking and <laughs> twirling and running and chasing each other. <laughs> I just wanted to follow it so bad. And I, I went to step off the road. And of course, I went into snow like up to my hip. Where are my snowshoes? I just want to go down into the stream and like flush them out and, <laughs> and just see if I could catch a glimpse. But or maybe it's you been don't, happening. danger boy. <laughs> like... <laughs> Bobcats aren't here. I was going to say, you you can't have Disney moments with real animals, people. (laughs) But no, I totally know what you mean. It's like you want to see how close you can get, catch a glimpse, like just find out what's going on. They're kind of like your neighbors. (laughs) They are. Well, and and. And now I'm, I've got these visions of the, the kittens 
that'll be here this spring. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> You're like, please, please, please let your den be somewhere near our house. <laughs> Just leave steaks out, man. <laughs> well, danger. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's super cool, though. Any other animal sightings? Yes. <laughs> and it's it's still winter. It's still hibernation, but there's more and more activity. It is that time of year where the animals that hibernate are just starting to stir a little bit. And the other night, uh, we had an owl, usually nocturnal, uh, sit in one of the white pines in our backyard, oh. just in full view through the evening. And it feels like a wild kingdom right now. Totally. It feels like things are coming to life. It's really nice. <laughs> that is, as as anyone who's who's in the North knows, that's a really big deal to feel like spring really is going to spring eventually. And like, like we do come out of this hibernation that we're in. I've been feeling, you and I have been talking about it just as... As people like, you know, where there's a there's a certain week where, you know, that spring and and like winter is ending, spring is coming, you're going to be getting outside more, that sort of thing. But you also are like, oh, just a little bit longer, please. (laughs) And then that feeling quickly moves over to spring. Oh, my gosh. Get me out of this house. This is so great. (laughs) We are in that transitional uh, march in like a lion out like a lamb time <laughs> where on any given day it could be a little more extreme a little more intense or lightening up getting nicer all the time Ooh, ooh, ooh! speaking of getting nicer do you think we should try to tackle some etiquette questions i think we should let's do it Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions, and you can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. 
Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is about farmer's market manners. Dear Awesome Etiquette, thank you for producing a show that makes me look forward to my daily commute. I am currently working my way through the backlog of episodes, so I apologize if this question has been covered recently. My husband and I have been looking for ways to buy local and have joined a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, that starts in May. We'll be picking up our share weekly at a farmer's market. We both are hoping that this is the start of a long-lasting tradition, as many people who participate in this CSA do so year after year. Is there any particular farmer's market etiquette that we should be aware of? I want this to be a positive experience for everyone involved. Best, Amy. Oh, Amy, you are talking to two farmer's market and CSA old hats. We love our CSA. Dan even does his in the winter. And we, we go to the same one. And we frequent the local farmer's markets, especially in the summer. Dan. We any, share any the share. T- I was going to say we while. share the share for a while even. Yeah. So what are you thinking here? Like how big picture are we talking? I'm going really big. Oh, okay. I'm thinking anytime you're joining a new community, you really want to pay attention to norms and standards. And I can hear that kind of thinking here already. But I say go slow. Give yourself a little extra time. Maybe show up early. Maybe budget a little more time than you might need so you can linger and see how everything kind of works. The other <laughs> tip would be to go ahead and call ahead and ask if there's anything that would be helpful or that you should be aware of. Places like this are going to be happy to engage you as someone who's new to their system. They also usually have websites, too, that whether you've you know already made your purchase through it or your commitment through it, um, but it often has like uh, frequently asked questions, what to do as a beginner, things like that. Some of the things I've noticed at, at our own are really and, – and this has been both pre-pandemic and during pandemic – have been to really, really respect the lines, the order of operations, that sort of thing. Like our at, at our CSA, it's kind of like um, a, a big open hut and like the food is all underneath it. And at times it could feel really chaotic, like you just go wherever you want within it. And at other times it's been more kind of like you you follow an order of operations. And during the pandemic, it's been like a, a more stringent order of operations. But just kind of paying attention to where to start, where to go, I think is one of the big ones. And the, the other one that I do think is really true for the CSA, obviously different at the farmer's market where you're purchasing things directly, but is that you don't take more than your share. You try not to pick through everything, putting your hands all over the vegetables. And we're expected that people wash them when they get home, but it's just nice to not do that. Um, it's, it's thoughtful. It can make other people feel more comfortable, but really you want to kind of scope out using your eyes and then pick the piece that you want. And also we have a thing where we get to donate extras. So if I, for instance, don't care for one of the vegetables that comes or it's something I'm maybe allergic to, I can donate it so that other people who want a little bit more can take more from the extra pile, which is what it's there for. Those are some of the things from our CSA. But Dan, what about farmer's markets? Anything specific come out to you there? 
these are often, you know, you're, you're dealing directly with the person producing everything. Although you do that at the CSA too. Resist the urge to haggle mm. too much. Um, I don't think that, you're even supposed to haggle at a farmer's market, are you? You know, there, there aren't official rules. And um, just because it's not a grocery store where there's necessarily a barcode on something and a scanner, still treat those prices like they're prices. Fixed. And, <laughs> Um, the other thing that you got me thinking about was the whole idea of not taking more than your share. I know some places CSAs come pre-boxed. It's a certain amount, a certain quantity. Oh, you get right. it. Yeah. For, for us, there would be a portion that might be like that. There would be a portion where you could fill it out or fill a peck basket with some combination of roots or tubers or there might be uh, even some pick your own. Pick yeah. your own cut flowers or herbs <laughs> or peppers or tomatoes. Or... <laughs> I love the tomatillos. <laughs> and I think that was a really good reminder because to pay attention to the limits and stick to them. It might seem like there is an infinite abundance in a pick-your-own situation. But if you're not supposed to eat while you pick, don't eat while you pick. If you're supposed to take just a pint, don't take a quart. All of these things um, sound obvious, but sometimes when you're out in the field, it can get kind of exciting. <laughs> remind yourself that there are other people who have shares as well. And you can often always buy more from the CSA. Like I, I mean, Good this tip. is really common with tomatoes, especially. Um, but I find I can always call and ask if I'm able to purchase more for the week. If that's if that's something they feel they have enough abundance to to let people do. Um, and that's, that's actually how I end up doing all the canning at the end of, at the end of August. Amy, we hope that our experience is of value and that some of this rings true for the CSA and the farmer's markets that you visit and can help you be a better patron of these places. It all takes skill. We owe our daily bread to the farmer. Hats off to these who feed the world. Our next question is titled, Uncomfortable with Etiquette? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a new listener to your podcast, was recommended by a friend, and am binging all the episodes and currently in the 200s. Thank you for your helpful and insightful show that has brought so much joy and comfort to so many. I really appreciate it. I'm a stay-at-home mom with two children elementary age. While I have plenty to do daily, my kids are at an age when I can spend time on hobbies. I enjoy cooking from scratch, gardening, canning, and embroidery. When other moms see what I do around the house, I usually get two responses. They mention how inferior they feel, or they diminish and demean my interests as not worth their time. I find both responses hurtful. I am not existing to be in competition with anyone. I'm just existing. Furthermore, I use the skills I have worked hard to master to contribute to local communities. For example, stocking a church pantry with canned goods or giving embroidery away as Christmas gifts. So I know I don't do anything out of look at me-ness. I truly have a passion for these hobbies and try to put them to good use, but I still get some negative responses from other moms. Similarly, I wrote a thank you card to a couple of ladies at the church who were both about 15 years older than me and have teenagers now. They watched my sons during a class my husband and I took at the church. I was grateful to get the opportunity to attend the class and thought of what would be the post thing to do, so I wrote a thank you note. 
The ladies downplayed the thank you note and said they wouldn't have had time while their kids were younger to write thank you notes. They laughed it off and I felt a little hurt. I'm just trying to be nice. I have social anxiety and these are the ways I'm able to push through it and connect with people. But what do I do when my attempts at connection fail in this way? I usually stand there looking confused and don't know what to say. I know the impolite thing to do would be to snap back and imply they don't know anything about etiquette. So I don't do that. And I truly do not desire for any competition or addressing someone else's behavior. Can I be provided with some of Lizzie's famous sample scripts to handle these situations of motherly competition and the unfortunate realization that I make some people uncomfortable, which is the exact opposite of my intention? Thanks very much, Kylie. Kylie, thank you so much for this question. It is a, a real opportunity to think about what we do when the world doesn't meet us. Yeah. Where we're coming from. And the first thought I had was just I, I, I wanted to, to offer you something. I wanted to sort of buck you up and say, stay strong. It's, it is not uncommon for people to not say exactly what they mean. Yeah. Um, I don't have the time might equal something like I admire you very much for how you managed to get it all done. I, w I wish I could be like you, you know. Exactly. It's and 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 that second thought isn't always a construct that someone has in their mind or is comfortable saying. So they go with the self depreciating or the the yep. minimizing thought, and it's not ideal. It's not a good thing. And and the the only thing I can say to you is that that's an issue for them, and I hope that that awareness or that uh, the possibility that it just might not be within their capacity to really express that other thought doesn't mean that it's not there. The other sort of obvious place where the etiquette jumped out at me here was around the thank you note that wasn't well received. Yeah. And I was thinking a lot about this because just very recently in the last week, I've spent a lot of time advising people to write thank you notes, not just for the big and eventful moments, but also for little things. If they mm -hmm. just want to reinforce a relationship or – um, flex that that muscle of gratitude. And it reminds me how important receiving thanks is as part of that exchange. And those people who you gave that note to clearly didn't know how to do it. Dan was just talking about how when people don't really receive thanks well, and it it reminds me of ruts that we can get into. That when we are someone who is stressed out about how much time we have in a day to get something done, and I'm not saying that you, you aren't someone who doesn't have stresses, as you said, you, you clearly do. There's a lot to, to handle in the day, but that you have had some time for some of these hobbies and interests. But it can be so easy for the person who's in the rut to just automatically default to that, I don't have time, or I'm so busy, or I could never. And I think the more that that can be their issue and not yours, and I know that you're not wishing for them to compare, but it is a tendency so many people have. I think every most people have it. I don't want to say everyone, but I think most people do. And that it's something that until you're even aware that you're doing it, you can't combat it in yourself. And so it's going to be really hard to try to say or do anything that's really going to 
change or possibly impact the the mindset of people who are really in that rut and, and delivering you these kinds of phrases. But I do think the more that you can think about how you're really happy with how you do things and you feel good about it, yeah. the more that you can feel good about continuing to to utilize the etiquette and the, and the good things that you're doing and to feel confident in it. And it, it just, as Dan was saying, it just, thanks aren't always received well. You know, people aren't always able to, to clearly express when they're impressed. Um, you admiration know, or, is a it, hard admiration. thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I think you're up against a lot of, of that in these particular circumstances. Overall, I think trying to recognize that the the actions that you are taking and the things that you're doing, they they are good. They feel good to you. They feel right to you. And I want to say let it stop there. Let the other people's reaction doesn't matter. But I know that technically that's not even good etiquette. <laughs> um, but to feel confident in the good etiquette that you are putting out there, even if it isn't always landing perfectly with other people. I think that's the the. Or if short... they're not responding perfectly. Sorry, I should say that. Sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I think that's the short and appropriately short answer. Their negative reactions aren't something you can really manage. And your response to it is really the only thing you have total control over. I wanted to take a shot at a sample script because can I do it? Do it. In the spirit of short and clear, it's OK. I just love doing it. I really like that. I really, it makes really me feel like good. That. Yeah. These are things and, and all of a sudden I think that might even help separate or address some of that comparison that you're talking about that can happen without us even intending it to. That you're you're essentially saying it makes me feel good and in the background you're addressing the idea that this really isn't about me versus anybody else. This is just something I do because I like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Kylie, I hope that our answer helps and we hope that you keep being you in your community. How do you go about being thoughtful? What do you do? Every time I try, I only make things worse. Is there some particular method of being thoughtful that works every time? Our third question this week is a doozy. It's titled, How Far Does Step Go? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love your podcast. I married into a very blended family. My husband's parents are divorced, and he has step-siblings on both sides. While everyone is cordial, sometimes it's hard to determine where to draw the line of who to include and who not to include when we celebrate intimate family milestones. My mother-in-law's stepdaughter is expecting her second baby. Her sisters, the mom-to-be's mother, is hosting a baby shower for her and wants to include both sides of the mother-to-be's family. The relationship between the mother-to-be's mother and father, and by relation my mother-in-law, is not great to say the least and has even been tumultuous at times. The host asked, via her daughters, my mother-in-law for mailing addresses of her own sister-in-laws to be invited to the shower. We all think this is a bit of a stretch, considering the mother-to-be has not seen my mother-in-law's side of the family in several years. They are long distance, and there is not a strong relationship between the mother-to-be and the step-aunts either. As I tried to put on my awesome etiquette hat, we determined that my mother-in-law doesn't have control or say over who the host invites. 
there is enough understanding from my mother-in-law's sister-in-law's that they will not feel obligated to come to the shower and will simply send a gift instead. We figured my mother-in-law would be doing more harm than good to block an invite from going to her family. Considering my mother-in-law has two other stepdaughters who may experience similar life celebrations, how should my mother-in-law handle the guest list in the future when she is not the hostess? Sincerely, Lizzie with a Y. Ooh, Lizzie with a Y. Good on you for having written this all out. It took me a couple times reading it to get to get through all the connections, but I think Ooh. what we have here, I know, is that a husband's stepsister's mother is throwing a shower and is asking for the listener's husband's mother's stepsister's addresses to invite them to the shower it it does feel like a stretch unless these people step on step on so yeah you think well because it's the mother's stepsisters it would be the stepsisters step aunts um so it's 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 a stretch you are you i, I just want to say i think you're right that unless these people are very close already it's a big stretch but i think you are even more so right that not being the host of the party, you do not get to dictate the 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 invitations. And if she, if if the hostess is asking for those addresses, then you know be kind and provide them and invite these folks. They can always decline the invitation. It's not an obligation to send a gift, so it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. um, sort of in that category. But it's definitely a very far extended invite. Dan, how how did I do? I think you did great. Okay. I think that is the etiquette. Obvious, not obviously, but the host gets to make these calls and it is tricky territory to try to insert yourself into that process. And I certainly, like you said, would never refuse giving someone an address unless I really knew that person didn't want it given out. The only other etiquette thought I could add as a contribution, it might help thinking about um, how to draw these lines in the future mm-hmm. around more intimate family gatherings and larger families and families that are blended or connected in different ways. One of the themes of this show is that we can oftentimes use etiquette as um, a way to build touch points mm-hmm. in relationships. And we talk about the annual card or the holiday card being an opportunity to touch base with people that you don't see for the rest of the year or don't communicate with as regularly. Sometimes events like these, family gatherings like these, can serve as the checkpoints that bring people together. And that is the other thought that I would add just to to, to balance in along with the idea that Yes, showers are usually smaller, more intimate affairs for closer family and friends. A shower isn't exactly the kind of event that I would use as a chance to reconnect with long lost relatives. That's not what I'm saying. Good point. Housewarming might be a little bit, you know, more casual. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, but but there are sometimes opportunities to leverage those types of events. You might invite someone you don't see regularly to come visit for us certain holiday or something like that. And that just might be another etiquette thought to build into the way you think about who you include in these smaller events when you can't include everyone. I love it when we go for the inclusive reach out, try to take it as an opportunity. Just a hint, Pollyanna. Yeah, just a hint, Pollyanna, saccharine sweet in all the good ways. And I also want to take half a second to recognize that Lizzie mentioned, Lizzie with a Y, mentioned in this question 
that it's not a, a blended family where people have always gotten along. I could just picture so many families where the case is that the bygones of the, the relationship that split are bygones and everyone is really supportive and and where you might have step aunts, you know, and and the question of how far step goes, if it's your step brother's mother's sisters <laughs> um, or even stepsisters of the mother, it's it's a little far fetched. That is a, a step far out of the, the realm of blended family. But I think that it is worth noting that when Lizzie with a Y and her husband throw parties and family gatherings and are the hosts, that it is perfectly okay for them to have smaller parties. I think some people feel like when one family member starts extending it all out, that all of a sudden every family gathering has to be that way. And and I think that's – it's as Dan said, I don't want to lose the opportunity to be inclusive where it would be really great. But I also don't want people to feel like there's that pressure to then always include really far kind of distant relatives that they don't talk to that often just because that's other holiday events or other family events they have been there. I think when it's your hosting, it's your guest list. Lizzie with an IE, I really appreciate that perspective, and I think that Lizzie with a Y will also. In any family, we are bound to encounter a certain amount of rivalry among the brothers and sisters. Rivalry for attention, for esteem, and it's not too strong to say for love. Our next question is titled, B-List Baby Shower. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you for all of your work on this truly awesome podcast. I love your approach to modern etiquette, and my commute to work is fun because of both of you. I am hoping you can help me out with a COVID baby question. A friend of mine is expecting her first baby, and I am so excited for her. She's going to be an amazing mom. I'm invited to her virtual baby shower that is taking place this weekend. However, my friend already had a baby shower a few weeks ago, which she mentioned to me a while back. This wasn't a secret. For what she has called her closest friends and family. This event was outside, in person, and the normal food, drink, games were provided to the guests. She posted pictures of the event on Instagram and Facebook. This upcoming virtual shower is basically for the other 30-ish people in her life that weren't invited to the closest friends and family event. As this virtual shower gets closer, I find myself a little put off. This sort of feels like A-list and B-list to me. I'm of course going to attend because I RSVP'd, but what is the proper etiquette here? Thank you. All the best. Anonymous. Anonymous, thank you for the question. This is uh, really nice because it's got some very clear etiquette here. And I want to start off with the last question you asked or point that you made, and I thought it was a really good one to reinforce. Once you've RSVP'd, you're in. Yep. So um, good on you for accepting that responsibility that, that you have taken. It's also true that you wouldn't have to reply affirmatively to that invitation. I also want to give you the complete etiquette freedom. You get to decide whether you want to go or not in the future. Yeah. Big picture – I understand the concern about an A-list, B-list feel to a shower being created particularly by one event being in person for us for a smaller, tighter group and another larger group being included virtually. 
I want to allow for a little bit of flexibility and latitude around pandemic planning. And we've been doing that for eight, nine, ten months. And that's where the the most generous part of my brain can go. I can say if the conditions were otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it this way. The limitations that they're struggling with might really have to do with social distancing requirements, mm-hmm. just what's feasible at the moment. And because of that, the idea of having two showers itself isn't awkward or problematic from yeah, an etiquette no, perspective. Yeah. That feeling of the A-list, B-list is definitely something that um, is worth paying attention to as you think about organizing those different showers. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on that, Lizzie? Well, no, I was I, – it was funny when you were talking. I was even thinking, well, we really do have multiple showers and this, this has happened. We've often thought about things like, for instance, sometimes a – a work group will get together and throw you a, a work baby shower. And sometimes there is a friend shower or a family shower that are separate if they're really large groups. We we tend to suggest at Emily Post that you really not have more than sort of like 20 to maximum 30 people because the point of a shower, the entire purpose of this party is to shower the honorees with gifts and therefore gifts are supposed to be opened and it could take a long time to get you do the math gifts <laughs> and when you add a virtual shower to that you've got 30 gifts online is even longer um, and so it is done it is absolutely done but it's doing it with tact that helps to prevent the feeling that Anonymous here is experiencing. And that's really on the host to do that and do that well. I think one of the issues I'm, I'm feeling here or the, or where this, this feeling of being put off, I think could be coming from is that it's a been labeled to uh, Anonymous that this is a closest friends and family event. And that the other one is sort of like the more extended friends and family event or friends event. And the other part of it is that that one was in person and, and one is virtual. And to me, Dan, it sounds like the combination of having labeled the in-person one closer friends and family and having labeled the other one virtual and extra people in my life is is where you feel put off. And I don't blame you, frankly. Um, and maybe the size. Yeah. The, and the that. size, the 30 yeah. people. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're right. I'll, I'll say right now I'm in the middle of hosting a virtual baby shower for someone who's having two baby showers, one that's being hosted in person in Utah with some of the close friends and they're doing socially distant and there's only so many people on the list. And there are some virtual people attending that event because they're, it's, we, we called that one the friends shower and it was all of Jamie's friends. And she was very sweet. She asked me if, she, if I wanted to be included in that one. And I said, because I was hosting the family shower, I would choose not to. Wait, 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 wait. So the family shower is the virtual one? So the family, yeah, in this case, because the family, most of, most of Jim and Jamie's family is all on the East Coast. And so it was just not going to be possible to do a family shower right now during the pandemic. But the baby's coming and there were nobody, we didn't want to wait till after the baby game. And so it was, it was really great that this virtual shower was an option that so many people have, have kind of gotten behind the idea and understand how to do it. And that she could have the family who – her family is really supportive. And this is like a really exciting time. It's Jamie's first baby. And so it was really wonderful. Everyone's been 
participating really well so far in the lead up and the prep for the shower. I've gotten out my Zoom links and passwords and everything clearly to folks um, and the, the registry and all that. So it's it's really working, but it is not thought of as a less intimate shower because the people who are there are intimate. And I think when you get the combination of it's the less intimate party and the less intimate version of it, like uh, um, method of, of connecting, I think that's where you start to feel, as Anonymous says, a little put off. So hosts, this is really actually an answer for you. Really think about the guests list that you're doing, the number of people invited, the method that the party is going to take place within, and how can you make all guests feel really honored to be a part of this event? Anonymous, thank you so much for this question. We really hope that our answer helps clarify some questions that you had in your mind and also that you're able to really celebrate this baby when the shower does happen. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we are hearing a voicemail from Tracy on people assuming your gender via email. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. This is Tracy, who had the very distinct pleasure of hosting Lizzie recently to talk about pandetiquette or pandemic etiquette. And if anyone wants to listen to either of our discussions, they can find them on Instagram at Poppy Lady, which is P-O-P-P-I-E Lady on the IGTV tab. And I'm calling with some feedback. The first was about a recent question of a gal whose name often elicits emails directed to Mr., but the, the sender has a female gender identity. And one idea I had would be to include a photo in her email signature. Maybe if she has a professional photo, she could include or a lot of programs like Outlook let you upload a photo, and that might be an option to prevent the error. Uh, the second was a question where a host had been contacted and a guest attended that was planning on attending their upcoming gathering was COVID positive 10 days ago and had returned to work but wanted the host to notify all the other guests anonymously. And I was thinking that really everyone who's gathering with contacts that are not in this household at this point is a risk to be an asymptomatic spreader or get exposed to the virus at a gathering. And that's just a fact. So if the guest was released by his doctor to go back to work, then it really wouldn't be riskier than any other person attending coming. And it feels a bit awkward to announce to all the other guests. And if somebody was really trying to be risk avoidant, then they really wouldn't want to go to a gathering at all. So it just felt like a little bit of a – I would feel strange being a guest getting a call like, there's a guest coming, but they – it's past – it's 10 days, but they're coming, and I won't tell you who. And it just seems like kind of a moot point since gatherings have inherent risk. So, anyways, thank you guys so much for the show. I love you, and I hope you have a great week. 
Tracy, thank you for the feedback. And as always, thank you for leaving a voicemail. We love to hear your voices. As far as the particular piece of advice, I've definitely seen a lot of pictures in email contact lines, and that's definitely one way to go. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that someone's going to correctly identify your gender. That's not always obvious from Mm. a picture. What makes it very clear and explicit is the inclusion of pronouns in that email uh, contact information or signature. And this is something that we're seeing all over the place now. So a simple inclusion of he, him, she, her, they, them as part of your uh, contact information is a great way to remove all ambiguity from the question. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today, boy, I can't... I kind of can't believe we're here already, but we're going to talk about vaccination etiquette. Dun, 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 dun. It's funny. I both feel like this is a big, a big celebration, and also at the same time, it it doesn't feel fanfareish. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's a, like has it hasn't hit me yet. My parents have been vaccinated, are fully vaccinated, and you you have a friend who's been vaccinated, and all of a sudden it kind of like. There were things to think about in this friendship that you couldn't have thought about before, or at least in the past year. Absolutely. And that one friend has now been joined by several more. Oh, you've got a bigger group that's been vaccinated now. Absolutely. And and an extended family network, more and more um, family members our age, cousins in other states where they're on different schedules mm-hmm. are are starting to – be through the line. So and they're sharing oh, that news, vaccinated. I'm <laughs> She's got the first shot. We'll have the second one by April. And they're thinking about visiting people oh. or all kinds of things. And that very first friend, a uh, healthcare provider who got vaccinated really early on when he called and shared, it was the beginning of a host guest dance. Uh, <laughs> Hi, I'm letting you know about my new status. And I know that you all are really careful about this. But I also wanted you to know that I'm starting to open up and thinking of myself as safe to visit people. And there was so much good care and good um, etiquette in the exchange. It was the first place it came to my mind. As it's happened repeatedly now, I've found myself saying when people tell me that they've got their vaccines, I say congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and I was wondering, is is that uh, appropriate etiquette? Is is it really something that's uh, that I want to congratulate someone for? Or what I want to share with them is that I'm excited for them and I'm happy for them. And that seems to be the word that expresses it. Yeah. And, and maybe if congratulations isn't resonating with you, just simply saying I'm really happy for you to the person because I do think it's – it's it is good news and it's funny my mom she apologized the other night cuz uh we i'm i'm fairly isolated up here and as dan knows and and also is but uh my mom was on the phone with her she said i'm i'm so sorry i really have to go our friends are coming over because they're past their two weeks after their last shot and so we're celebrating that we can get together safely and it was just that feeling of of like she she felt 
guilty that she knew she was enjoying something that I couldn't right now. Oh yeah. And it was, it was, it was an, I, I wanted to tell her, don't, don't feel bad about that mom. It's like great that you guys get to do that. Meanwhile, I'm like pushing down my own anxiety of the past year of like fearing my parents getting together with people. It's like, no, Lizzie, they're vaccinated. Like calm down. But it's, it's been interesting experiencing just the, the talking about it, even with the, the people I'm the closest to, you know, it's so important. And it sounds like really good etiquette. I love thinking about that other side of that equation. And from the perspective of a doctor friend who's calling me up and saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know. And that that soft approach from, from my side, it raised a whole series of questions. And you now have me thinking about, frankly, what a good job he did in yeah. terms of the way he approached me and shared that information without – burdening me with a lot of expectations that I respond in a certain way. You know, that's what's striking me about it is that it's it's the idea that he he let you know without immediately asking, "Can I come over?" or or declaring, "I'm safe now, so you should be okay with it." Mm -hmm. So it's it's this idea that he was still giving you space to be in the space that you're at with it given whatever circumstances you and your family, your household are working with. And I can hear that same awareness and it, it, it's what made me think of it in the way your mother was talking to you. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I was mom. I'm sorry. We're getting together with people. I was like, you shouldn't feel sorry about that. And what I hear her saying is, I care about you. Yeah. And I really don't want to rub your nose in this. <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly the point. Like many of the conversations we've talked about on this show today, it is about the tact of it. And it's really about thinking no matter where you're at with it, whether you're hesitant or whether you're really excited for the person, recognizing that this conversation might need a little bit extra consideration, respect and honesty around it, that it, it's going to potentially feel like something that, that would seem really easy, but could actually bring up a number of different questions right off the bat. And, and sort of, as we all are going through this and having more and more people around us have this experience, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where people settle or if it'll just become more familiar that people are calling you to say this and it feels less impactful on you. Like all of a sudden, like, you don't like, it's just, oh, everybody's going through it. You know, I'll be, I'll be curious to see what happens. Dan, I could ramble for forever. Stop me. Stop me. Well, I appreciate your rambling because you've got me thinking about another thought, which is that we're going to reach a place in this process, I hope, where, and I'm imagining myself as probably part of this group where you might be one of the last ones yep. <laughs> just because you're last in line for whatever reason. Um, and I could imagine a inverted version of this situation where I have to let people know I still haven't been able to get my vaccine yet and yeah. I can't come or I would love to. But for these reasons, it's not possible quite yet. Yeah. Please invite me again in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Put me in the camp of really hoping that we are at the beginning of the end of this experience of social distancing, at least yeah. – this severe form of it. Although, boy, that flu could never come back again and I'd be happy. But I think as we navigate this end together, the pandemic etiquette is not over quite yet. And this is a particular time where 
that focus on consideration, respect, and honesty is going to be important once more because we're going to be in situations that feel less familiar. It's changing. Where even within the pandemic, we don't have as much experience with this particular set of circumstances yet. And as we do move out of social distancing, be excited for embracing life when we can get together and gather once again. Here, here. A dynamic community health program. Physicians, voluntary agencies, and the health department working together can do much to ensure your well-being and that of your children. It can provide the kind of environment which is essential to good health and wholesome living. But a modern full-time health department cannot exist without active citizen support. It's up to you. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Sesha. I have a salute for a stranger. COVID has taken so many activities from my kids, so we indulge them where we can. My five-year-old loves going to the car wash, so my car has been extremely clean this winter. Yes. <laughs> we decided to go today and went to one where you can pay right at the car wash entrance. It was a sunny day, so there was a line. We got to the front, and it wouldn't take my card. I kept trying, tried another card, and nothing, all while getting more flustered as my son was trying to help, and the line behind us was growing longer. The person right behind me got out of his car, and I expected some aggression about what was taking so long, but he just pulled out his card to try. Also nothing. I couldn't leave my son alone, so he went into the store, bought the exact wash we wanted, and brought me back a code to use. He was gracious and kind when he could have been the opposite, and it really meant a lot to both experience that patience and kindness and to be able to talk to my son about how kind he was and how that's exactly how we should treat others. Thanks. I love the show and always appreciate your thoughtful comments. Sesha. Sesha, thank you so much for that salute. I uh, sympathize with the situation that you find yourself in and uh, what a wonderful moment and what a wonderful parenting right? opportunity. <laughs> it's a great salute. Thanks, Sesha. And thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with your friends, family, and coworkers, and hopefully on social media too. You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. And I will add this week that we recently discovered our podcast is on Audible and it has no reviews on Audible. If you really want to help the show out, please visit Audible and rate the Awesome Etiquette Podcast. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.